Hello, my fellow seasoned athletes, and welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. The Seasoned Athlete Podcast is your home for stories, inspiration, motivation, training tips, and more directly from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age doesn't have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. You can learn more about this podcast at seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, share with everyone you know, and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode five of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Today, I am so excited to be talking to CrossFit Games Masters Athlete, Diane Stewart. Hi, Diane. Well, hi, Robin. Diane, are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Oh, it'd be my pleasure. You bet. I love it. Diane, you're a two-time CrossFit Games Masters athlete in the 50 to 54 division with a best finish of third in 2016 after finishing seventh in the CrossFit Open and Masters qualifier. You're also a former collegiate track and field athlete, a three-time Division II NCAA champion in discus, and you also competed in the 1984 Olympic trials for that event. You're originally from Eugene, Oregon. You currently live in Hayward, California, and you served for five and a half years as the city's first female chief of police before retiring in January. So is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a moment to fill in? Uh, No, other than probably my most proud accomplishment is that I am the mother of two amazing daughters, Christine, 28, and Alexandra, who is 22. Well, that is a really vital (laughs) detail. (laughs) So I'm really glad you filled that in. Thank you. I love it. So here at the Season Athlete Podcast, we own our age proudly. We wear it like a badge of honor. So from here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests. What is your age at this moment in time? I am 53 years old, and I will be 54 uh, in October of 2017. Awesome. I love it. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports, and what did your early athletic life look like? Oh, I was a a tomboy growing up. I, I grew up on a ranch out in Oregon, and so my sports were actually equestrian related initially. Uh, I showed, I showed horses, but I think like most kids that are in elementary school, you know, they have like a big athletic day. And so I did things like the softball throw and gunny sack race. So I was doing competition and, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade type of thing. And by the time I got to high school, I was, uh, I did sports year round. I played field hockey in the fall, basketball in the winter, and I did track and field in the spring. And I did, I did that all four years through high school. And it looks like through college as well. It looks like you really got into the track and field in your collegiate years. I did. I actually went to, uh, the university is now called Cal State East Bay. But when I, when I graduated, it was Cal State Hayward where I currently live and served as a, as the chief here. And I decided to, uh, specialize in the throws. I was a, a pretty darn good discus thrower and a pretty decent shot putter in high school And I was recruited by one of the U.S. Olympic coaches to come throw for Hayward State. And so I started specializing in the throws when I started college. And then how did you make your way to the Olympic trials? Uh, That was just great, great coaching and a great team. I trained really hard and uh, I actually won the NCAA Division IIs my freshman year. And uh, the way it works is if you're first or second in the country and you hit the qualifying mark, you also get to compete in the Division One Nationals. So I was fortunate. I got to do Division Two and Division One. And in 
1984, I hit the United States Olympic qualifying throw mark during the track season. And so uh, that automatically gets you an invitation to the U.S. Olympic trials. And so I went down and competed at the L.A. Coliseum. And uh, although I didn't make the team, I, I I threw really well and I had a great time. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm only, you know, 20 years old. I'll be back. I'll, you know, I'll do it again when I'm 24. But, you know, life can change a lot in four years. So what happened? What happened that led to you not going back? Well, I graduated from college and I started uh, with the San Jose Police Department about four weeks after I graduated from college. And so um, I graduated in, in December of 85 and I started the police academy in January of 86. And during that period of time, I was a police officer. I, I became a member of the SWAT team. I got married. I had a baby. So in those four years, I, I did a few things. Yeah, you weren't slouching by any means. I wasn't, no. And I, and I had a really uh, debilitating knee injury when I was on the uh, the SWAT team. I was jumping off of an eight-foot wall during a physical agility test. And I, I ripped my ACL. I tore it and um, had major reconstructive surgery. And so I really rethought about, you know, I mean, I was trying to balance a career and family and like a daughter. And, and then, you know, the injury, it was just really too much to think about throwing uh, at that point. Yeah, you definitely have to look at your priorities in life at that stage with career and definitely with family. And so you definitely had a lot going on. And so your life took a turn away from that. Did you find yourself outside of the athletic requirements of your job? Did you find yourself once the knee was recovered from the surgery? Do you find did you find yourself playing any sports recreationally or doing anything athletic recreationally in those years? I did. I stayed really active with the the police and fire games. So tell me about that. Every year they have the police and fire games and, and they've morphed over the years into different things. They have uh, the the national ones and then they actually have world games every other every other year. And I always was an active participant and my goal was every couple of years to add something you know different. So I did I did track and field. So I threw I threw discus and shot. I I played a little bit with the javelin. I learned how to throw the hammer. I threw that. I put together a, a tug of war team. I played softball uh, a couple of years, I even rode my show horses. They had equestrian events. Uh, I, rode, I rode my show horses, competed in showing uh, at the games. And then a friend of mine from San Jose Police Department was a cowboy. And so I did some rodeo events with him, some ride and tie stuff where, you, you know, he had to rope a steer and I had to grab a ribbon off of its tail, you know, sprinting. I've done that. I've actually done that. I went to summer camp growing up in uh, Central California. And so they had kids rodeo games and I did the ribbon it was off of a calf because we were children so oh yeah but yeah we had to do the whole run and chase the calf and pull the ribbon off the tail and often get a handful of poop but that's just part of the gig yeah same here same here yep did, did, did that. <laughs> yeah, so it might have been a calf um as well for us i mean trust me we were full-time law enforcement and part-time athletes but it was it was always really fun to to try something that sounds super fun i i had no idea that the police and fire games were that wide ranging in, I mean, I'm, I'm not super familiar with them at all, but I had no idea that they'd be that wide ranging to include equestrian and rodeo sports. Yeah, they, they did. I even did a uh, powerlifting one year. Uh, they now have CrossFit as a part of the, the police and fire games. And it's my understanding that for 2017, that the top 10 law enforcement officers in the men's and women's divisions 
got an invite to the World Police and Fire Games if they finished top 10 in the world in the law enforcement division of the CrossFit Games. So that's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, CrossFit's really uh, a big deal in the law enforcement community. So so I did. I stayed active in sports just through the police and fire games over the years. And then, you know, career and, and family demands, I, I, I pretty much stopped competing uh, when I became a captain, because when I became a captain with the organization, I found that I worked seven days a week. And if I wasn't working, I was you know, doing stuff with my family, you know, taking the girls to do equestrian events or or soccer or running or Olympic development soccer. I mean, <laughs> so your kids are on that path, on that track as well, it sounds like, or they have been on that track. Yeah, they're both uh, they were both really active, both with um equestrian uh, livestock through 4-H and FFA, and then both were very accomplished athletes as well. It's just, you know, my kids weren't the ones that were at the mall shopping or or on cell phones that they didn't have or watching TV. We were were outdoorsy, active, athletic family. Yeah, it sounds like your your genes definitely played a heavy (laughs) role in in their path in life. Ah, yeah, they're great. They're great girls. They're they're really well-rounded. That's awesome. So you start talking about CrossFit, so that seems like a good moment to kind of segue into CrossFit and how you found your way into CrossFit. Because in the grand scheme of things, CrossFit is a fairly recent movement, right? Yeah, they start, They had their 10-year anniversary in 2016. So uh, CrossFit became, they had the first CrossFit Games, if you will, in 2006, and uh, I certainly wasn't a, a part of that community, but they they started at uh, at a ranch down in Aromas. Uh, the director of the CrossFit Games, Dave Castro, uh, he and his family have a have a ranch in Aromas, California, and that's where they hosted the first CrossFit Games. So I mean, it's a pretty new sport. You know, we're talking about a decade, and I wasn't I wasn't a part of it at that point. I was just trying to find that balance between work and and family, and I really. I really wasn't working out. I mean, I was still active outside with the horses and, you know, gardening, but I, I really wasn't doing anything athletic at all in the early 2000s. One of the police officers at, at, at San Jose, uh, Leanne Alfonso, Officer Leanne Alfonso, she's still an officer there. She brought CrossFit to the police department. Uh, she was one of the uh, early people that bought into it. She's a great athlete herself, and she talked the administration into buying equipment and they started hosting uh, CrossFit classes. You know, I'm not sure what year that was. I, I, I didn't initially participate. I would say probably 2009-ish. And so I kept hearing about, you know, the CrossFit gym at the police department. And, and she and I were friends. And uh, she dragged me in there finally in probably 2010. I did my first little, you know, 15-minute CrossFit workout. I mean, I just dabbled in it a little bit because I wanted to get back in shape. You know, I you know, the old, you add 10 pounds a year. Uh, that's true. And as you get older, that can multiply. Uh, amen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, so I dabbled in it just a little bit for fitness. You know, I, I would go into the gym early in the morning before, before work by then I, I was uh, a deputy chief. And so I was working a lot and, um, so I would, I would go in there and I, I, and really in, in 30, 40 minutes, I could get a good sweat on. I could, I could move around and, um, you know, it was just something I did just to get some fitness back into my life. And so I'm always indebted to Leanne for bringing CrossFit to the police department at San Jose and, you know, sort of introducing me to it. 
But it really wasn't until I came up to Hayward and started, you know, working and realizing, you know, I was under so much stress, you know, chiefs, it's a tough time to be a, a law in law enforcement and particularly to be a chief of police. And uh, one of the people that I worked with, one of my lieutenants, um, he said, oh, my cousin owns a CrossFit gym, you know, in Union City. And so uh, it took me about a year before I finally reached out and said, hey, you know, I heard you're a police officer in Union City and you own a gym. And he invited me to come start working out. And so at the end of 2012, I joined uh, a CrossFit gym in Union City, uh, One World, and went in twice a week and started doing strength and conditioning at that gym. And I I, I really fell in, in love with the sport. I, I, I just... I liked everything about it. So that's around the time that you kind of went more all in on the sport aspect of it. Well, it probably wasn't in 12. It probably was in, in, in 2013. The owner and his girlfriend, that his then girlfriend, now his wife, talked me into, uh, they said, hey, there's a there's a competition that's just for Masters athletes up in Richmond called the NorCal Masters. And, you know, we think you should do it. And, and I can remember signing up for it and I got like the last slot because it was limited to like 30 women in my age group. And I was like, oh my gosh, what have I just done? I've signed up for a competition. I, I mean, I don't even know how to do any of this. <laughs> and, and they're like, oh, you're going to be fine. It's going to be great. And that was in January of 2013. And I and, and, and so we sat down and we talked about goals and I said, my goal is just to be in maybe the top 50% and out of the 30 women. And I ended up making it to the finals, which were the top five. Wow. And there were, uh, it, it surprised me as well. I, I, I didn't move up. I finished fifth, but I made it to the finals and it was at that competition that I said, I really love this and I love competing and I want to do this. And so it was in 2013 that I said, my goal is to make it to the games in 2014. I'm, you know, give myself a year to train and I want to make it to the games. And, and I think that's the mistake people make. You know, they walk into a CrossFit gym and, you know, because they've seen the sport on ESPN and they're like, oh, I want to be a CrossFit Games athlete. Well, you should just check yourself right then because you have no idea what you're saying. You have no idea what you're in for. And of course, the sport has morphed exponentially even since 2013. It's it's crazy now. I mean, women my age um, in their 50s are doing the workouts the open athletes were doing in 2013, 2014. And so, um, yeah, so I really fell in love with the sport in 2013 and got real serious about it, started really training for it the summer and fall of 2013. Let's talk about the CrossFit Open, the CrossFit Games, because you've mentioned that a little bit. And I know a lot of our listeners might not be super familiar with what that all means. So can you explain a little bit about the different stages that an athlete goes through, starting with the CrossFit Open and ending up at the Games, or theoretically ending up at the Games if they are <laughs> good enough? You bet. Okay, so every year, there is the CrossFit Open, and it's a worldwide competition. You pay a very small fee, and that helps support the membership, the workouts. It helps pay for some of the CrossFit games. But what happens is you register in your age group. Um, now they have divisions. You know, they have military, uh, law enforcement, public safety, you know, fire and so the director of the CrossFit Games, Dave Castro, every Thursday, starting with the last week of February on a Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 
he announces what the workout of the week is. And generally, uh, they have a big like unveiling of it. They'll have two superstars from the CrossFit world compete head to head. You know, they'll literally find out the workout, you know, 15 minutes before, you know, the athletes find out about it when Dave Castro announces it on, on, on TV. And then they go head to head. And so he'll announce a workout. And you have from when he announces it Thursday at 5 p.m. to complete it and have your score submitted online by Monday at 5 p.m. And you either have to have your video, you have to either have your workout videoed and you have to put it online or you can complete the workout at a CrossFit affiliate and be judged by somebody that's taken the judging course so that you know the movement standards, and you submit your score. So that open goes on for five weeks, Robin. So every week for five weeks, every Thursday, they announce a new workout. And so that goes on for five weeks. And if you're a master's athlete, and since we're talking about masters, we'll stick to that. Sure. After that, um, however many thousands of people are in your age group, you then have three more weeks to train. They neck it down to the top 200. So after five weeks of the open, they take, let's just say there were 10,000 people in uh, the ladies 50 to 54. It's now down to the top 200. And then the top 200 compete the third weekend in April usually. And they give you four additional workouts. And you have from Thursday night at five o'clock when they announce it until that Monday, four days later at five o'clock to video, you you must videotape all of your workouts. They must be judged. They prefer they be done at an affiliate, a CrossFit affiliate, where there's an approved judge. Um, everything has to be videoed. And you submit your scores, and it's all kind of done in the blind, so it's very stressful because unless you have somebody else in your age group that you know you know is close to you, you, you have no idea how you're doing against the other people in your division. Interesting. Yeah, and so after that, it goes down from the top 200 to the top 20. CrossFit headquarters reviews a video, and then you get your invitation to the CrossFit Games, and uh, those have traditionally been held down in Southern California for, for the last five years. Um, they moved them for the next three years. They're being moved to Madison, Wisconsin, which is sort of a more of a college, Woodstock, festival-type atmosphere town that they're looking for, and so they're the first week of August, August 1st to the 6th, um, are where the 2017 CrossFit Games are going to be held. So it's a sort of a process of elimination, if you will, the open for five weeks and then four additional workouts and then down to the top 20. That is a high level of whittling that is happening there between the top 200 and the top 20 in that master's qualifier. So I imagine that's pretty intense with the pressure and just not knowing where you stand. Yeah, it's pretty stressful, but the CrossFit Open is is also very stressful because you don't know what workouts are going to give you over those five weeks. And that score that you take your, your score from the CrossFit Open goes with you into the Masters qualifier. So for example, if you finish, because, because they take the top 200 in the world, if you finish in 200th place, your points that you go into the Masters qualifier with are 200. So you start with 200 points already there. And the per- persons with the fewest points are the people that get to go to the games. So there's a in- high incentive to do well in the open, right? Right. You have to step it up. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want a lot of points. And so realistically, you know, you almost have to kind of be in the top 50 or 60 to have a chance to make it to the games, because even at 50th or 60th, you're going in with 50 or 60 points compared to the girl that's in first place who only has one point. 
So there's a lot of incentive to to get through the open in a high placing. And so it is very nerve wracking. And, you know, during spring, you know, winter, uh, winter, spring, February, March, you know, what's going around? Flu, mm-hmm. colds, um, you're trying not to get sick. You're trying not to have your life stand still for five weeks, but it'd all be a lie if anybody told you that's not what happens. Uh, your life kind of stands still for five weeks. Sure. And and again, with the with people who are competing in the master's divisions, it's not like generally people at this stage of life can just put everything on hold and train and stop everything else. You have a life, you have things that are going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, you know, most of us still work and, you know, we have families and so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of competing priorities that go on. And, you know, one of the questions I get a lot, Robin is, Oh, well, you're 50 to 54 age group. So, um, what weight did you do in this workout? The same as everyone else, right? We do. Our age group does the exact same movement standards and the exact same weight as an 18 or 25 year old woman. Uh, there is no break. The only break that was provided is the next age group up the 55 to 59. The, some of the movement standards are a, a little bit less demanding, although they're still very demanding and some of the weights are lighter. But in my group, we do RX, which is the same as everybody, all the open athletes in the world. That's crazy, but I, that's also super awesome. It is. It's, you know, you think about 53 years old. I mean, I, I am in better physical and mental shape uh, than I was when I was a competing at the Olympic trials and when I was a collegiate NCAA champion. I mean, I am in better shape now than then, believe it or not. I believe it. And and there's something to be said for mental maturity as well, because I think that plays a role. Just having having life experience and, and having the years to have grown uh, mentally and psychologically and, and spiritually, all of that plays a role in how you function when you're training and when you're competing. Sure. I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. And, and hopefully at, at my age, you know, you have some altitude and you can keep it more in perspective. Absolutely. So Say you make it to the CrossFit Games, the the big show. What types of workouts or events do you typically see at the highest level? Well, you're going to see everything. That's that's what uh, the director of the games tests for during the Open and uh, the Masters qualifier for Masters or the regionals for the Open athletes. He's making sure that you have high skills in everything because this is a very big business and it's televised on ESPN. There's a lot of sponsorships. There's a lot of companies that are involved in it. And so you know, they don't want people that can't do something. And so there's high skills, high skills like bar muscle ups, ring muscle ups, handstand walking, sprinting. And then there's also heavy things, you know, heavy, maybe heavy deadlifts, uh, heavy overhead squats, clean and jerk, snatching. So what you're going to see at the games is everything and nothing's going to be easy. It's going to be high skills, high repetitions, heavy weights, and it's going to be a, a very unexpected, you know, CrossFit prides itself on unexpected, you know, unknowable. And what you know when you get there is that you're not going to know. They don't tell you what the workouts are going to be. Uh, there's a lot of surprise. And so that's kind of the fun is, right, you prep for everything. I, I mean, it's kind of cool because having been in law enforcement, you know, you train for everything. You don't know if you're going to get in a shootout or you're just going to go take a burglary report. And I think for me that the nexus is, you know, that parallel is you, you go to work every day and you don't know what you're going to do. Well, the CrossFit games, you go to the games and you have no idea what they're going to give you, but you know, there's going to be high skills, heavy barbells 
and you're going to be surprised. So it sounds like your life has trained you to be ready for everything, which really plays well into your competitive life as a CrossFit Games athlete. I, I think so. Although I will, t- I, I tell people all the time, you know, as a, as a thrower and a weightlifter, it's been more challenging to train my mind to go to a place where it's, you know, really dark. And I think people who have like a triathlon background or soccer or, you know, people who ha- are used to doing things that are really painful. You know, my, my oldest daughter was an 800 meter runner, so she's used to being in that pain cave. You know, me as a, me as a weightlifter, you know, we would spend two hours doing a squat workout, right. you know, in CrossFit, you don't spend two hours doing any one thing really ever. And so the challenge is, is, you know, getting my engine really strong and, and, and being good from a cardio capacity perspective. It's that grit side. I'm an obstacle racer. So I understand like going to that dark place and pushing through where everything hurts and you kind of want to die and you still have to keep moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Robin, when you're, when your soul leaves your body, when you're doing that last obstacle on a Spartan race, right. That one, that's, that's the thing that I work the hardest at. Yeah, I totally understand. And that's so vital for any sort of level of competition, especially something that's long form and repetitive and, and constantly changing. Yes. So I totally get it. So, you decided in 2013 to start competing or working towards the CrossFit Games, right? Yes. The 2014 CrossFit Games? Yes. So let's let's kind of quickly go through that journey, that first year and leading you towards last year where you really reached your peak thus far. Okay. So uh, I trained really hard in 2013 and in 2014, I think I was well positioned. I finished the, uh, I finished the Open in 32nd place and I felt really confident that once I narrowed it down to 200 people, there'd be a lot of jumping around. And I felt, I felt really confident and confident that I could make it to the games. So when they announced the next four events, uh, the following month, they announced a workout that's, uh, named Amanda. And that consists of muscle ups, ring muscle ups. You do nine ring muscle ups, nine full snatches, seven ring muscle ups, seven full snatches, five ring muscle ups, five snatches. Well, and I had talked to my coach several times about teaching me ring muscle ups. And she's like, you know what? I, they're just never going to ask a 50 year old to do ring muscle ups. And it was something I wanted to learn just because I thought it was an amazing, cool movement. And the very first workout they announced for the masters was ring muscle ups. And I surprise. <laughs> yeah, I went into it with a good attitude and I, and I, I finished, uh, out of the four workouts, I finished three of them in the top 20. But I wasn't able to do that workout called Amanda. But I did get my first ring muscle up in that workout. I got my first one. It took me 16 minutes and 44 seconds into the workout. But I got a muscle up. And I will tell you that I skinned my hands. It looked like my hands had been scalped. I had no skin left on the palms of my hands. And uh, I did not make it to the games that year in 2014. And it was was okay. You know, it was a great learning experience. I was incredible incredibly disappointed, but everything happens for a reason. And I said, here's what I said to myself. I'm not going to let me not knowing how to do something ever be the reason why I don't get to go to the games. I'm going to learn how to do everything. And that's what I pursued is there. I I try really hard not to have an Achilles heel, not to, you know, you don't have to be great at everything, but you have to not suck at something. The key to CrossFit is, you know, there's 44 basic variety of exercises and you better know how to do all 44 of them pretty well. And so 2014 pushed me to do that. And, um, so I had a a fire burning in my heart for 2015 
And uh, I was really excited. I competed well in the Open in 2015. I competed well in the Masters Qualifier. And I ended up finishing 11th in the world. And I made it to the CrossFit Games in 2015. And it was it was incredibly exciting. You know, lots of years of hard work. How did it feel to be there, just to even be a part of that experience? I mean, it was it was amazing. My my husband, uh, he's my husband now. We were we were just dating then. Uh, we drove down to Los Angeles uh, area from from here in the Bay Area, and I mean, I, I was on cloud nine. I mean, just the journey. It was we, we just enjoyed the whole process. You know, the checking in, the schmoozing with all of the other athletes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, do I belong here? I mean, look at these people. They're amazing. And, you know, just getting your arms wrapped around that you're one of the top 20 people in the world in your age group. I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. And I told myself my goal and my coach had told me my goal is to have fun, you know, be competitive, but just have a blast. And that first day of competition, Robin, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was really, really nervous. Sure. Uh, uh, Understandably. Really, yeah. Very nervous, but very excited. And I had I had a blast. I mean, I had so much fun. I finished the day out with, I, I just can't wait to come back and, and do it tomorrow. And um, so there I was at the 2015 CrossFit Games, um, competed day one, woke up day two, Ate breakfast, got dressed in my uniform. My captains were running running the shop here at, at Hayward. They were watching over things for me. Um, the deal was I was off the grid. You know, no phone calls, no email. Turned everything off. Uh, they were handling everything. Um, so we were getting ready to walk out the door, and I turned my telephone on, as I do every morning, just to, you know, see what's cooking. As one does. Yes. Um, and I knew things weren't okay because when I turned my phone on, it literally was vibrating off the table. There were, uh, 25 voicemails. Uh, there were probably 50 or 60 text messages. And so I listened just to the first voice message and it was my captain who was running the department and, uh, he was pretty distraught and he told me that, uh, one of my sergeants had been shot and um, that I needed to call him immediately. And so I knew that I didn't need to listen to any other messages that I needed to call him. And, and we were literally just getting ready to walk out the door. And so uh, I called him and he told me that, uh, that Sergeant Scott Lunger had been shot in the head and had died. And, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, it's not funny, funny, not funny. You know, I still get tore up talking about it. Um, so we jumped in the car and uh, my husband drove me down to the games and I checked in with the director and explained that I would I needed to withdraw from the games. And my city manager, who was just she was amazing. She uh, she worked with me. Uh, I couldn't get a flight out of L.A. I was in gridlock traffic. I mean, oh it's my gosh. 630 in the morning in downtown L.A. on a Wednesday morning. And uh, it took us about, oh, I don't know, close to two hours to get to the airport and she had a, a jet from our Hayward Executive Airport flown down to pick me up. I was in my competition shorts and tank top. I got on a jet. My husband went back to the hotel room and packed everything up. And uh, I, I had an hour flight to just to put my head on straight because I knew it was going to be a pretty tough week. And she picked me up and I was in uniform doing a press conference 30 minutes later. And it wasn't disappointing I don't want people to think that I was disappointed about not competing. I mean, you know, to a degree, of course, that's true. What was disappointing was the heartbreak uh, for my organization, for my community, for Scott Lunger's daughters and his wife, you know, for his for his family, for his 
loved ones and, you know, just trying that you're trying to make sense of it in your head. I mean, how, how could this happen? And, um, yeah, so I would say that that's the most devastating and disappointing time in my athletic career. But the, the takeaway that I, that I'd like to share with the listeners is it really put things in perspective, Robin. Yeah. Life is so fragile and we all get caught up in, you know, I talked about it, life standing still for five weeks during the open. It's just, it's just sports. It's not, it's not real life. My ability to pay my bills doesn't matter on how I do in the CrossFit open, but my life was forever changed. And my perspective changed dramatically on what's important in life. And what was important was to be present, engaged and supportive of my organization, of the family, of the community. I mean, it was it was a really tough time and it wasn't just a tough time until we buried him. It was a tough year as we went through all the miscellaneous anniversary dates. And I was really grateful that I was so physically and mentally fit because I think that's what helped me survive, um, that first eight days until we were able to, uh, bury Scott with honors and then, um, and then to really decide whether, you know, what I wanted to do. And you thought you thought I was charged up after not being able to do ring muscle ups in 14 mm-hmm. and charge up for 15. When Scott was killed in 2015, I said, I am going to go back to the games in 2016 and I'm going to be on that podium. And people laughed at me. They're like, you didn't even finish competing. I'm like, I'm not doing it for me. This is a promise between me and God. And I'm doing it because I want to honor Scott. And that's my way of honoring Scott. And I I never lost that perspective the whole time. And how did that fuel your journey as you headed it in 2016, which we know now? (laughs) (laughs) I I spoiled it a little bit at the beginning, but let's talk about that fire that you were feeling as you went to the games in 2016 or headed towards the games. It wasn't easy working 60, 70 hours a week and training. And so my life consisted of, you know, going to work, working diligently to, to get off at a decent hour, come home. Uh, be back on the road within five minutes and then go train for three and a half hours. That's what I did five nights a week. And on the weekends, I trained much longer um, in between community events, speaking engagements, you know, stuff going on at work. And whenever I felt sorry for myself, we all have a tendency in the middle of, you know, a pain cave moment in the workout. I would think about how lucky I was to feel what I was feeling and that Scott could never feel that again. And so it was my fuel you know, it was my, it fired me up every time, every time I would start to go, Oh my gosh, I can't do another rep or I can't do. Oh yes, you can. Yes, you can. And you get you, you're privileged enough that you get to do it. And so that fueled me through the whole season. And when I got to the games, I didn't really think about it until really hard until day two, we had to do this. Uh, it was a berm run burpee five rounds per time. And I'm running up the stadium stairs. I'm like on lap three running up a hill. And I wanted to all a lot of people were starting to walk, you know, up the stairs or up that. And I said, there is no way you're walking. You are going to honor this man and you're going to put everything you have into it. And it was I think it was my worst finish. I think I finished 12th. But I never stopped and I gave it everything that I had. And I I literally thought about Scott every step for the next three rounds. Every step I took, every breath I took, I thought about him. 
And, uh, and then when I got to the finals, they had an incredibly difficult workout and I, I, I was getting into the first round and I was finishing the last movement. I had, I was, I was in first place. I was in first place in that workout. I had done my chest bars. I had done my deadlifts. We were using this axle bar with 125 pounds on it. It was incredibly heavy with a, a short stubby axle bar. And we had to do hang power cleans. And I, it's a big fat bar, Robin. I couldn't pick the bar up people started rolling past me inside. I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm like, I can't figure this out. I can't figure out how to get a grip to get this up onto my shoulders. And, um, I walked over to the chalk bucket and I, and I, I, I said a prayer and I said, please don't let this all have been for nothing. Please let me come through for Scott. And I went back to that barbell and darn if I didn't figure out how to get that damn thing up and managed to hang on and made it to the podium. And I'll tell you, it was, I often question, you know, how do I know if I'm doing this sport for the right reason? You know, am I doing it for self-glory? Am I doing it for self-gratification? Or am I truly doing it for the right reasons, for the glory of God? And last year was all about Scott. And I will tell you, I can remember that moment on that podium like nothing else here you go, buddy. Here you go, brother. You know, this one's for you. That's so powerful. Like what a, what a powerful story. Well, it's, 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 the, it's the truth. And, and I don't think very many people, you know, could ever understand, but that was, I paid back to him and you know what? We're good. We're solid. I, I, I made a commitment and, uh, I stuck to it and it was truly just sheer grit and perseverance and determination and I just wanted to be on the podium. You know, it wasn't about winning. That was the win. Yeah. And I and I swear I almost lost it in that final. It was so close to not figuring that barbell out. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty it's a pretty fun moment. So with the bad, his death, came my greatest moment, which is I was able to honor him. And I will tell people that no matter how difficult things seem it's anything's possible with, with, with determination and patience. Obviously you had a very painful motivator. Um, you had a very powerful and painful motivator to get where you ended up getting and it ended up becoming such a beautiful moment and this full circle closure moment for you. It it sounds like, how would you suggest for others who may not have such a distinctly painful and powerful motivator, but may want to compete at a high level being, and especially being of a certain age, being over 40, over 50, what kind of advice would you give? Yeah, I think that's pretty easy. And I learned that from my coach, Doug Chapman, enjoy the process, find your why, why do you do this? Because if you're looking for fame or glory or your five minutes on TV, it isn't going to be enough to get you through this sport. Find your why. And hopefully your why is that you love the journey. I wake up in the morning, Robin. I think, oh, my goodness, I get to go train today. I get to go lift weights and push my body beyond what I ever thought I could do. And I'm 53 years old. And hopefully in some small way, you know, that will inspire somebody else to get fit. I mean, my passion at this point in my life, aside from CrossFit is giving back to the community and giving back to masters athletes, sharing with them, you too can be fit. It isn't about going to the games really. Isn't it about being able to carry your groceries in and, and, and sit on a couch and get up on your own and 
stay strong and not have to have a caregiver because you're fit and your bone density has stayed up and you've learned how to, to eat right, sleep right, take care of yourself. I mean, people are living a long time now. So the idea is to have a quality of life. So my advice to people is, is find your why, why do you want to do it and enjoy the process, because we don't know what the end result is going to be. You could get, you could get that goal. You could get to the games and you could go home because there's a tragedy that happens, or you could get to the games and you could get so nervous that you have a poor performance. So did you enjoy the process? And I, and I think that's good advice for everything we do in life. Do you enjoy going to work every day? Do you enjoy your job? If you don't, you should be rethinking what you're doing. We get one shot at this life. So make every day count, make a difference, enjoy what you do. And when people talk about, you know, stop and smell the roses, I mean, just be grateful. It sounds like you are. I love it. And it's such fabulous advice about enjoying, enjoying the process, enjoying the journey. And that that movement movement is is life. And so important for us as we all get older. And if we don't keep moving it's going to get harder. And so regardless of what you choose to do to move, always be moving, always stay active. And and you'll be able to carry your groceries. You'll be able to get up <laughs> flights of stairs. I understand the grocery thing. I, I often joke that I, I lift weights so that I can carry multiple bags of groceries up two flights from my car. As a fitness trainer, I have to carry a bunch of fitness equipment around to train people. So <laughs> it's like, this is why I work out really is just to be able to get, get all my groceries upstairs without help. It's a real thing, people. For sure. It, it, it really is. And, and, you know, um, I know all these women that are, that are my age and uh, Robin, I know that you're younger than me, but you know, they have osteoporosis and, you know, they talk about load bearing exercises and, you know, I don't expect people to squat, you know, 250 or 275 pounds like I do. Uh, that's not necessary. But to be able to have a barbell on your back, a 35 pound barbell and squat with it, it's you don't you're not going to have to take medication. If you can keep your bone density up and you start now, it's never too late. I'm, I'm looking at people doing CrossFit in their 70s and 80s and improving their fitness. How cool is that? I've seen it too. And it's crazy cool. I used to train with uh, a woman that was in her seventies and she, she could drop and do burpees and she could lift weights. And it's like, if she can do it, anyone can do it. You start somewhere. You don't start at the top. You always start somewhere and learn the movements and all movement can be learned. And I like to look at fitness and training and competing as just a learning process that everything you do is just a skill to be learned. It's not just mindless fitness and exercise. It's all a skill to be learned. And when you learn the skills, then you can go up in those higher levels. So it's always cool to see people at any age that can't do a burpee or can't do a squat or can't do lunges, but just to see them progress and get better at these movements. And it just proves that anything can be learned. Couldn't agree more. And, and, and I, any sort of fitness, you know, is for anybody. And I, and I think that's why of all the sports I've tried in my life and I've tried a lot is I love this sport. Um, yes, I know people think it's cultish or whatever, but if you just go into a normal CrossFit gym and you look at the wide variety of, of beginners and, and accomplished people, I mean, anybody could do it. I mean, I feel confident that I could bring, you know, my dad who is 91 years old into a CrossFit gym and teach him basic movement. Um, and in fact, uh, as soon as I, uh, finish my move, uh, up, up to Eugene, Oregon, 
Uh, I can't wait to bring him into the CrossFit gym uh, that I built up there and get his fitness level up. Um, you know, we'll go easy, but mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, just, just, I think it'll just make him feel so much better. So you, you have your own CrossFit gym up in Eugene now? I do. Uh, uh, we have, uh, we have property up in uh, Eastern Oregon, a, a very large cattle ranch. Uh, and I have a CrossFit gym there. It's, it's very remote and there is no CrossFit gym in the area. So uh, we built, my husband and I built a CrossFit gym out there. That's mine. It's not huge, but it's about 14 feet wide and about 45 feet deep. And I've got everything I need. And then um, at the house, uh, our house, our primary residence in, uh, in Eugene, which is like a seven hour drive from our ranch. Uh, we're just building out a CrossFit gym there. And that's where I hope to actually be able to train some people and coach some people and, and give, give some more back to the CrossFit community. I, I currently coach at the gym I started at, uh, at one world in union city. I, I, I coach one night a week, uh, really enjoy, uh, helping people with their fitness. And I, and I volunteer to do it. it. It helps me to grow my coaching skills, but it's just a real small give back to the CrossFit community that, I mean, literally has changed my life. It sounds like it. Yeah. If there's any listeners who live in this area that want to train with you, how can they reach you? The best way to reach me is to, is to give one world, uh, one world CrossFit and self-defense a call in Union City. And uh, hope that hopefully they'll come join my Wednesday night at 7 p.m. class. Uh, but they come in, we do a, we do an on-ramp, we teach people the movements and then they can come to any CrossFit or boot camp classes, uh, that they, that they want right now. I'm not doing any one-on-one coaching. My focus is really wrapping my arms around our family business, getting used to retirement from law enforcement and focusing on improving my, my performance and hopefully qualifying for the 2017 CrossFit Games out in Madison this year. And uh, how are you currently standing? How did you do in the Open this year? Uh, I'm currently ranked uh, eighth in the world in the ladies uh, 50 to 54. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so your best your best ranking yet coming out of the Open, right? It is. And so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the rest will go smooth and uh, we'll see how it goes. You just you know what? Tell myself every day, enjoy the process. Don't just look at the end result. And so I have to practice what I preach, Robin. It sounds like enjoying the process is working incredibly well for you. So I, my advice to you is keep on doing that. Well, thank you. Well, Diane, I, I am certainly excited to follow your journey through uh, the, the qualifiers and the CrossFit Games. And I feel confident that we'll be seeing you really make a mark this year. And hopefully we'll see you up on that podium, enjoying the process and enjoying the end result of that process as well. Well, thank you, Robin. And I'm, I'm, I'm really honored. I hope that in some way it inspires people to, to move and to stay fit and to, to go for their dreams and, and just enjoy their journey, their life journey. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your your story with us today, Diane. Truly my pleasure, Robin. Just wanted to give a quick update on where Diane currently stands going into the 2017 CrossFit Games. After the online qualifier, Diane now goes into the 2017 Games ranked 7th in the world in her age group, and she will compete against the other 19 women who earned their invitation to this year's Reebok CrossFit Games, being held for the first time in Madison, Wisconsin. The Games take place August 3rd through 6th and will be televised live on ESPN. Best of luck and enjoy the process. Process, Diane. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about Seasoned Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. 
just share. Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about Seasoned Athlete, the more people we can reach, inspire, and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social, Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com, and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.